Hey everyone, Jason Torchinski here. And first, thanks for listening. Second, thanks to our new sponsor, Marble. Marble? We got we got a rock to sponsor our podcast? <laughs> no, David. Marble with a capital M. It's the only all-in-one app for managing your insurance policies and getting rewarded for it. Okay, all right. Well, I have a bunch of cars that I think they're all probably insured, so this could help. Probably not, but Marble's great. It's fast and it's easy to set up as it'll put all of your different insurance policies in one place for you. It's free, which we love around here, being cheapskates, and it will automatically alert you if your rates are going to increase, probably with some kind of really loud sound. Once you set it up, you don't have to do anything as it does it for you, like a robot trained to monitor insurance. And you get marbles, which you can redeem for rewards or use to donate to charity. A marble spewing robot. Whew, that sounds great. How many marbles did you get from it? I got, let's see, two, 900 marbles. Uh, what do you do with that many marbles? I just put them all on a Target gift card. Okay, what'd you do at Target? What'd you get? I got a big uh, crap load of Hot Wheels. I assume for uh, your child? Yeah, yeah, sure, for my child. Mm, okay, well, anyway, um, okay, that sounds good. I like Hot Wheels. Uh, where do I sign up? So you just go to joinmarble.co slash Autopian and you start adding your policies. And not only will you be supporting this podcast, you will also get rewarded just for being a real adult and keeping on top of your insurance. Joinmarble.co slash Autopian, is that right? Yes, David. That's joinmarble.co slash Autopian. What is your general uh, take on cars and bids? That's a question that you have to ask, so you might as well do it. No, I love it. Be direct, man. A lot of people are like scared to ask us about them or think we like resent them all and hate them all or whatever. Uh, I do keep a spreadsheet of everybody else that's showing up. Welcome to the Autopian Podcast. This is number 20. It's David Tracy here with Bo Bachman. 20 uh, podcasts? It's almost like we're real or something. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm here um, you know, in this little shack in Michigan. Bo, it's a beautiful showroom you got behind you. It is. I'm in our meeting room looking over the Ford showroom with a beautiful Shel- Shelby on that side. We are, um, we're down a man. Uh, we, you know, they, Where's you know, the torch? Torch is out right now. It's, it's you know, was it Meatloaf who said two out of three ain't bad? You like that reference? I actually got a re- an old school reference. Anyway, so it's only two of us. We're missing one, um, but maybe he'll show up. Who knows? But what's most important is we have a great guest today. Now he's traveling, by the way. So we're hoping Torch. Just just so everyone knows, we're hoping he does arrive because he's in New York on a layover. So we're praying that he can actually join us for the podcast as he's heading off to like Sweden or something. I don't know, something crazy. So we're hoping we get him in. So let's pray for Torch. Yeah, Torch is, uh, he's going to see a new Volvo uh, debut here in Sweden. So uh, yeah, we'll see. Um, anyway, we have a great guest today. Uh, Randy Nonnenberg, co-founder of Bring a Trailer. This is cool. It's, um, This is great because Bring a Trailer is more than, it's not just an auction site. It is this sort of larger than life cultural phenomenon um, that is pretty much in like you talk to any car person and they'll, they always have kind of an idea on what's what of what's on bring a trailer at any given moment. Like the last few years, most car people check to bring a trailer like all the time. It's like a thing. So um, or daily like me. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, well, let's get him in here then. Let's talk to the man himself. Do it. Looks like Randy's coming to us from the most appropriate location one could imagine, uh, the inside of a car. You've got some you got some helicopter pilot size uh, headphones on there. Hey, I'm well, ready. You, you told me to be prepared. I'm prepared. Yeah. I'm ready to go. Oh, you're absolutely right. Hey, pl- pleasure to meet you. I'm David. Uh, this is Bo. Randy, welcome to the Autopian podcast. We're so excited to have you on. Thank you for being here. You bet. I'm super stoked for this. Let's get rolling. You guys talk about all kinds of crazy stuff. I'm ready to go on whatever, <laughs> what, whatever you want today. Let's do it. Well, fantastic. Right. So you're broadcasting from your car, which is perfect. Very appropriate. I am. I am. I'm, I'm actually not far from my garage, which is right here, but we got some major noise going on inside today. So I had to escape and find some place I could seek some solace with you guys. So this is all good. 
Well, there's no better place to seek solitude than your automobile, in my humble opinion. So, uh, fantastic. So, uh, wow. Now, I remember bringing a trailer and, and in my own mind how it started because, well, not how it started. How I first saw bring a trailer was actually at Pebble Beach at, the, at Monterey Car Week. And I just remember seeing this like hand-painted sign. I want to say it was like basically almost like a brush paint that said, bring a trailer. And it was literally on this trailer with this, it looked like a barn find on the back of it. And I'm like, oh, what's, what's bring a trailer? What the heck is that? And I forgot to like go home and look it up because I would have been addicted <laughs> since then. It wasn't until like a couple of years later that I went, oh, that bring a trailer. This is the place that, you, you know, you, you look for classic cars online. How did you start it, and 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 what was what was that about at, at at Monterey Car Week? Well, yeah, that's that's I love that story. That kind of points to some of our humble beginnings, you know, <laughs> um, and our our marketing efforts in the early days. But uh, BAT started out of sort of the brainchild of a buddy of mine and I, and I helped him find a car for his dad. His dad had a cool '63 split window Corvette back in the day, oh, cool. and uh, he was not really in the car world. I, I graduated with a bunch of people that went into tech and different stuff, and and he said, "Randy, how do I do this? How do I find a '63 vet for my dad?" And so I, you know, we went out to beers and we talked through it, much like you know, people kind of have their go-to car person sometimes that like helps yep. them do stuff. And I was that uh, I served that function for a whole lot of people and loved that. But um, after we did that, we found him a car, we gave it to his dad and there was this big emotional thing and it went really well. He's like, Randy, that like you're my buddy. So I didn't pay you a dime, but I would I would pay a lot of money for that. A lot of people would probably pay a lot of money for that service. This is like this is kind of like your calling. What are you what are you doing working uh, in the car industry? I worked at BMW at the time and I, I had a cool car job, but he's like this sort of seeking out and finding and vetting and uh helping people find cars is like what you're about it's like what you ought to be doing and i was like yeah that's true but you know i just had a kid and i was trying to pay a mortgage and i was like right. I, it, that's that's well and good but i don't know if that's actually going to get the job done so um anyway a couple of years later we circled back and he actually and i ended up being the two um that kind of put our heads together from a tech and a cars perspective and uh, built the beginnings of BAT, which was, you know, just a blog and then distribution via email and some other things back in 2007. Wow, that's fantastic. So how did, like, what was your background in cars? How did you get started in the car business? Um, I've always been into cars, kind of knew I wanted to go into the car business. So I graduated in engineering and I learned German and I went and did internships in Germany because those were my favorite car companies, Nonnenberg, my, my family has German heritage. So uh, I kind of picked up that language better than say Japanese or Italian, where there'd be some other or Detroit, all foreign languages, right? Like where, <laughs> where we'd all have different accents, but I, um, I love German cars and I grew up, my dad liked Mercedes and he, he messed around with some cars as a kid, uh, worked on models as a kid and then, you know, bought an MGB GT in college and, and uh, did what what a lot of folks did back then, and then actually ended up, you know, with some with some kind of interesting uh, cars before I was born. And he and my mom were married, and they were living in SoCal, kind of in a little bit of uh, the car scene, but but pretty uh, easygoing stuff. An early Mercedes coupe, and then he had a three fifty six uh, Porsche Carmen hardtop. If you know those, those were like Very, the step. Yes. Well, those were like the stepchildren for a long time, and they were cheap, and nobody wanted them, right? And now everybody not, thinks not they're anymore. super special. Yeah. So anyway, he had, he has there's pictures in in our family albums and stuff of interesting cars. So uh, and then I was the only son. I had two sisters and I was the only son. So he and I spent a lot of time together in the garage and such. And that stuff uh, set me up for uh, an automotive career. And and um, and um, I wouldn't say the rest is history, but it got me into German car companies and engineering and and just a desire to do car stuff. So tell me, um, I, uh, your engineering background. Um, did you? Um, did you, did you work for BMW and uh, and multiple OEMs, or um, what was your role there? Um, I worked for Audi at first, uh, which was very you know junior in a in an intern capacity in college, but it was in Ingolstadt um and Great. doing doing it in germany at the headquarters and this is right when they were about to launch the tt if you remember the dark oh, ages way back then absolutely so the coolest cars out in the lot were the new b5 s4 was like amazing right like so i had those uh but this is what 97 98 so they hadn't hit it huge i've recently been back to ingolstadt and the hq and stuff and it's like 
this glass fortress and all this, you know, you can see they made all this money and everything's amazing and they've sold yeah. all these cars. But in, in the middle nineties, they were doing well. The A4 was doing well. The new A6 was doing well, but you know, other cars were, they were pretty low volume still and they were just kind of on the ramp up. So the TT was sort of fun to work on. I worked on the shifter for the TT. If you remember that funky shifter, of course, had with yeah. the, with the, um, the, the rubber funny- recording, the boot the around it yes, that was circular. It. You remember all that? That was yeah. I got. I, I mean, I was like a sophomore in college. I got to work on that stuff. It was like unbelievable. You know, so you're, that you're was talking cool. to another German engineer. That's why Dave's oh, okay. getting all geeked out with you so there. He's, by the way, he's into it. <laughs> uh, your listeners may or may not remember that stuff. But anyway, I was into that stuff. And then I returned for another summer, and I got to work at BMW. I actually, got to work at BMW M doing engine stuff for M5s and. I just, I just, it was great. And they didn't have any Americans doing this sort of stuff. So I was this weird novelty and I got to help out a little bit. So anyway, that was fun. And then I parlayed that into working for BMW for 10 years out of school. So it was, it was mainly BMW, but with a little tinge of uh, Ingolstadt in there. Now, did you uh, live in Germany or out here in America with BMW? I uh, started with them out in Germany, um, doing another, you kind of climb the ladder and do these, you got to prove yourself a little bit. So I did the internships over there and that was all in Germany. Uh, and then I started working uh, for the German side of the company, but in California, which was cool. Yeah. And then I transitioned to the U.S. Uh, um, part of the company, BMW North America. So anyway, great company. I mean, you know, the cars they were putting out. I mean, yeah. the E46s were out and the M Coupe was in current production, right? I mean, those sort of cars were crazy. We look at them back and we sell them on BAT all the time now as collectibles. But <laughs> back then, I mean, that was like the current stuff rolling off the, off the uh, line. And it was just such a cool era. My, so my brother um, was an intern at BMW, um, also an engineer, roughly in like 2010-ish. Okay. And he told me, like one story that I remember that he told me was that, I don't know, like in the morning, I think, they would rev some M1 engine to motivate the, the employees when he would. He said that like in the mornings, they, there was an M1 and they would yeah. rev it to get everyone motivated. I was like, what? Really? Is that real? Anyway. That's crazy. I wasn't, that was 10 years after me. Maybe they were needing different motivations. We, they motivated us in Germany with, with pretzels and vice versa in the morning and, and whatever. They started drinking beers at 1030. It was crazy. Oh, you gotta <laughs> love anyway, that. anyway, it was a, it was a but different I, cultural experience for sure. But, uh, awesome. but no, it was amazing. Good. Stuff. I think I need to start the sales meeting by like revving a, a Shelby engine or, or, you, or, you know, a, a, a Raptor a R or something, you know, get, that would sell get, some get everyone Fords, man. Them. That would sell yeah, some right. Fords. <laughs> okay. So I've got a question as a, as a business person, uh, you, you know, nothing's easy to start. Right. So, what I'm really curious of, uh, I imagine you were building the site, getting everything ready to go. What was day one like of the launch site? And how did you get cars to get on the site to sell? And who's going to trust you to sell their car? Like, you know, a lot of times we take for granted, like, oh, this business is off and running, but getting off and running is really the hardest part. How'd you do it? Uh, good question. So there's been a couple of day ones for BAT, right? There's when we turn the website on, there's when we figured out it was a marketplace. And then the, the biggest one was when we turned auctions on, right? Mm. So those are the, those are all three sort of milestones, but they're all kind of a day one to your point. Uh, when we started to build an audience and, and people started to list cars, that was the light bulb moment. But if you have to ask about a, a crazy, how did the business really transform and turn on from nothing? It was this, this auction product that we are using today in, in pretty much the same form. And we turned that on uh, in July of 2014. And the uh, we didn't think anybody was going to believe us either, to your point. So right. we bought we bought nine cars and said, we're going to sell three cars a week. And the first three weeks of this, we're going to do it with our own cars, because why would anybody believe us? Right. We're going to get all, all yeah. sorts of skepticism and like convincing you to put a, you know, a nice uh, whatever Mustang GT on some random new online auction like i wouldn't do it if it was me if we were honest with ourselves so we decided okay we're gonna buy nine kind of cool cars nothing crazy you know everything um sort of i don't know 20 to 20 to 60 grand and um and we bought them and i had them for a little bit i mean they're some of my favorite cars some of them i'm sad i we had to sell but they were auction lots one through nine and we turned on auctions and as you might guess and and from your question 
Um, a lot of people were like, you can't do this. This is never going to work. Like, you you know why? You know, the 10 auctions are great. We don't need another auction. I mean, we heard everything under the sun <laughs> about why it wouldn't work. Um, and we had a few cheerleaders, but we had mostly people that were a pretty skeptical eye. And that was fine. Um, but there was really nobody else doing things like we were doing it. And um, and we we launched it. And the first couple of weeks, it worked okay. And then the third week, it fell on its face. And we had to retool and do some different things. But uh, we just kept pushing ahead. And and uh, But it was super important that we primed it with our own skin in the game. I think that helped. Do you remember the first car from the public or somebody that... Tr who was your first person that trusted you to sell their car? Well, there were three. And unfortunately... There were three and we just made it super easy on them because we had to. Um, so we gave them these super high reserves. So we had a, an aha moment in the third week. I think it was third week when we kicked to public cars, to your point, and none of them sold. Right. They all fell on their face mm -hmm. because ours, we could we like started it from super low money and we, we wanted to sell all of them and everything else. But if it's you and your car, you're looking out for your own interest more than more than BAT's interest. And so. We had this mechanism. I really didn't like reserves in auctions. I've always hated cars that missed reserve. So we said, okay, you tell us your reserve. We'll start the bidding there. And if it bids up past that, then obviously you'll take it. It'll be a no reserve, but it'll start from this high number. And we tried to start it from the high number and none of them got any bids. None of them sold. Mm, yeah. And we were like, oh no, like maybe this only works for our cars. Maybe this model is not as good as we thought it was. And I had this, ne we're never going to do reserves. We're never going to do reserves mentality. And I had to change that. We had to break that. And we took week four off and we went uh, setting up for week five. We had some people that wanted to use it, but naturally they wanted some reserves. And we said, okay, we're going to retool. Every auction should start at $1, but we'll give you a reserve. And that totally changed the momentum and the interest. Mm -hmm. And people started bidding from $1, as you see they do today. And it was just a super different, philosophical and psychological experience for everybody. And it ended up with needed refinement still, but it worked way better than starting at some high dollar number. So what's right. the timeline look like? So you mentioned that the, the, the product, this, this auction product started in 14. Hmm. Um, and what is the run up to that? Like what's the, what's the, the timeline look like? Oh, seven is when it really got its very start or. Yeah, we turned it on in 07, and that was just me with a blog talking about cars for sale. Hmm. I don't know if you guys remember those days or when you glanced I've off BAT for the first oh, time. Oh, we used to, yeah, at Jalopnik, we'd, uh, you know, you'd, you'd see a reference to like, hey, here's a cool car for sale, as mentioned on Bring a Trailer, yeah. Yeah, Bring a Trailer was just this weirdo group of people that were out, you know, sifting through the internet. And at first, it was a weirdo group of one. I mean, it was me, like, and my obsession. <laughs> Every day I'd look at cars and I, honestly, people ask, like, do you still do? That? I mean, I'm still looking around at cars last night and this morning for no good reason, you know? Um, and back then I didn't have, a, you know, two nickels to rub together to buy extra cars. I had one fun car and I whatever had a had a BMW company car, but um, I wasn't going to go buy in every car I saw online. I mean, you can't do that. Right. But I would find all this stuff and then I would close my laptop at the end of the night and it would all effectively be a waste yeah. So anyway, there was quite a quite a journey there. I mean, years of that. And we that that was a meaningful part of, first of all, why everybody came to the site and kind of rallied around it. But uh, we turned that into its own, you know, revenue model eventually and you know, had some partners and drove traffic to eBay and did some cool things. And that helped us sort of gain the audience and credibility, whereby that eventually got flipped on its head. Call it 2009, uh, users started sending us cars. So I didn't have to go search every night. That's they what I was going to ask is, did you have I, to go find these cars? Yeah. So that it turned into sifting through an inbox. It was my inbox originally. And then we made it this like automated inbox that people could send to. So we built tools because it started to get out of control. Like people started to send me three and 400 cars every day. Right. And it just was like, and I had a day job. Right. And I'm like, <laughs> I'm like trying to like look through all these cars and like post the best three or four. And uh, BAT truly became like the, you guys know, like the treasure hunting site, like the best of the best ended up listed there. And it was cars that I thought were awesome or were a deal, but were I wasn't going to buy them. Right. And it's mm -hmm. like, wow, check out this, uh, you know, 67 GTV. That's like way under market and it's listed on Craigslist in San Antonio. Somebody go get it, you know? Yeah. And, and people loved that. There was nothing like that at the time. It sounds kind of almost hokey now, right? With social media. And different Actually, it sounds cool to me. I'd be all yeah. over that too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It was super fun. So we, I mean, everybody was logged in and it was every day. It was this crazy engaged audience and people excited about it. And 
that's what kept me going. And then we, yeah, we started listing cars, figure out how to make some money out of it. And, and we quit our day jobs in 2010 and did it full time. Um, and then built out more people listing it in classifieds. But as you guys know, with classifieds, it's either you find it and it's a super winner or it's a loser and it sits online forever. Right. And mm -hmm. so we, uh, we tried to call just the winners, but it created, you know, people arguing over them and every, the, the best thing to do, the best way to sell a car, if you can, um, something really special and one off is to auction it just because, uh, it gets the price. We didn't have to set the price anymore. We were setting prices and people, that was an argument and it's just uncomfortable. The best, if you can yeah. start it from $1 and let it bid to market value, it's really a much better experience. So that's what we did. I remember when we started on eBay and we started off doing the same thing. We priced it at first, nothing. And it's like, no, it's got to start at $1. Yep. And it was amazing how that <laughs> built that momentum and people got excited about it. And I don't know how many people thought they were going to buy a car for a dollar, but you know, at least it uh, got the, got the juices flowing. Right. Yep. Oh, you need that. There's a, I mean, yeah. people have written, written volumes about like auction psychology and like what makes people bid or pay attention or what makes people bail or, or how it all works. And we're not, you know, expert psychologists, but we've, we've seen a lot of, what, what, what does? What, what, yeah. What did you learn? What, what, what does get people bidding? What, what's some good advice for people that want to sell their car online? Yeah. Well, or on I mean, the auction, I should say on your the on, auction on model trailer. is, yeah, we have a, we have a bias towards auction. As you heard me say, uh, I mean, not everybody needs to do that. Some people, if you're patient and, and you know, some people like to start high and like work down and like have a lot of personal interaction and um, different sorts of things. But if, if, uh, I, if you want to sell online in particular, so the dynamics of online are different, right? Like if you're selling out of your driveway or you have a trusted dealer in your neighborhood or whatever, those are those are viable models for some sorts of customers. But if you want to sell a car and most sellers want to get the highest price they can, that's that sort of stands to reason. Yeah. Um, and the best way to do that is to start to have people overbid each other, which is interesting. And then the next logical step is you want to get as many people to look at it and as many people to bid on it as you can. And so the internet really changed that, right? Like, like 10 auctions on some level were the best possible option pre-internet, uh, because you weren't, you weren't going to have this crazy audience dynamic that we have today online. Um, so getting the car in the right auction with the right auctioneer at the right time at Pebble Beach or wherever, was actually maximizing the, the potential. Um, but nowadays, you know, the, the way everybody's on their phone, for better or worse, like you want to get everybody's phone looking at your car all over the globe, right? It's just a different, um, different, you know, level of energy that you can harness into what you're trying to do. So it's uh, if you can both get that big audience, but then have a reliable mechanism. That was our whole hang up is like, we didn't think, most of the online capabilities before we invented our own was was trustworthy and reliable and actually worked. We thought there were a lot of games going on and a lot of problems. And so we tried to engineer as much of that out as we could. So getting it launching, I'm curious, you know, because it seemed like 2020 was kind of like a pivotal year for Bring a Trailer in my mind when the let, let's I want to call it a power shift in the industry, right? The, the auction houses kind of ruled the world. And then all of a sudden, here's this website, right? That that's now uh, making the the big boys, uh, big guys, whatever you want to call them, kind of kind of shaking their boots a little bit, from what I heard. Like, when was that moment? That kind of bam. I mean, things start. Did, was there? I guess my question is, was there a moment like 2020? Bam! It started taking it off. What what happened to kind of really make bring a trailer into it like the the lexicon today? Um, I mean, 2020 was an important year for sure. I mean, 2020 was a crazy year for everybody, right? Like, where were you in March 2020? I think right. we're all going to be saying for the rest of our lives yeah. because that was a crazy time. So we had we had auctions rolling for six years before that started in 2014. So we had not quite six years. Um, so we were fighting this fight before that. A lot of people think we like started it because of COVID or whatever, which obviously mm. we were fighting it uh, quite a bit before that. We thought this was the right way. We had some good momentum. 2019 was actually a super, super great year for us that we had just tied a bow on and we were starting to talk to suitors about maybe selling the company and different sorts of things. So, I mean, I always just like framing the conversation that there was interest in this and there was a shift online starting 2014, 15, 16, 17, mm -hmm. all the way through this. But then um, obviously COVID was 
terrible for some business models, some in-person businesses, restaurants, different sorts of things, which is really sad. But then for online models, obviously, like the wind just came and just like mm. swept everybody forward um, and really, really changed things. Yeah, we saw in a matter of weeks, first of all, everybody transitioned home. We thought it was going to be bad for us, too, because everybody said, I'm not worried about selling my Chevelle because like, I got to get my kid online to school and I got to like my life's upside down. or I may have yeah. lost my, my company may have problems or whatever, or I may be sick. I mean, there's like crazy stuff going on. So we saw submissions to bring a trailer, like, like stop pause for like two weeks. We had never seen that before. And we're like, Oh no, like what, mm. like, is, is this over? Like, is this, is this not going to work anymore? Is this going to change substantially? And but the weird part is we saw a quick pause and then we saw a mega return and a spike and just like a, a feeding frenzy as yeah, you know, public auctions and tent auctions and, and uh, all these, uh, all these sort of tent competitors of ours, people that had sort of become competitors. Um, they, they closed for the foreseeable future. So everybody rolled the BAT and it was it was a totally crazy time to try to get our arms around that demand. Speaking of competitors, well, first off, here's Jason Dorchinski. Hey, how are you? Sorry, Jason. So meet Randy. Randy, Jason. Hey, nice Jason. to meet you, Randy. Good to meet you, man. I've been reading your stuff forever. Uh, you're a peach. I appreciate that. I'm I'm a little awkward talking in an airport lounge aloud. <laughs> podcast, but I'll just push that aside. Well, we see all the people behind you. It's kind of hard to hear you where you're at. I don't know if you could dial that in a little uh, bit but uh i'm so glad you're here torch welcome to the podcast i'm glad to be here and of course huge fan of the trailer so i'm excited to meet you too this is this is very exciting right on so um you mentioned competitors um what is your um i, I don't know what is your general uh take on cars and bids that's a question that you have to ask, so you might as well do it. No, I love it. Be direct, man. A lot of people are like scared to ask us about them or think we like resent them all and hate them all or whatever. Uh, I do keep a spreadsheet of everybody else that's showing up. Um, oh, it's wow. currently at there's 47 of them, which Holy is crap. totally crazy, right? Like I never would have thought like um that it would look like this but you know say model and the you know commenting and the you know the almost you know down to the percentage model and capped mm -hmm. and blah 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 and it's it's crazy to see what has happened so 2020 you were talking about the timeline i mean 2020 yeah. there were there were none people asked us like who are your competitors and we said the 10 auctions sort of and eBay sort of, you know, we're kind of a different well, flavor. eBay completely dropped off. I wouldn't even call them competition anymore. Yeah, well, they, I mean, then even now at SEMA last week, they pitched themselves as like a parts company, right? They're not, they don't really focus oh, on wow. cars and, and that may evolve, but but I used to love, you know, looking at cars on eBay, but it's it's evolved over the years and that and that's fine. They have different. You don't consider like Craigslist anymore. Cars and bids, I mean, Demuro. Jason? I was wondering, like, you guys don't consider non-auction sites like Craigslist a competitor, right? Like, that would be a totally different category. Um, I wouldn't say they, I wouldn't say Craigslist would be a competitor. Um, I mean, it's an, it's an alternative of where to list. I mean, I've listed stuff on Craigslist and sold it and still do, you know, but uh yeah. not not typically cars but i mean it's it's an interesting and viable marketplace but um yeah i'm talking about it i mean i i was just telling the guys before you showed up i mean i think bidding an auction is the best way to list a special car so i tend to focus on auction uh venues and now online auction venues and yeah so i keep this list but yeah i mean demuro and cars and bids was like the first um the first one in the US, there were a couple international folks that like tried to crib what we were doing, like in 2016, like pretty early. Um, and uh, there was one in the UK and then there was one in France. And then yeah, like car and classics try to do something. I yeah, see. And, yeah. Uh, I mean, th those are out there and some of them, you know, they kind of and and I don't know. I mean, maybe they decided that on their own. It's sure there's sure a lot of similarities to what we're doing. I don't need to like like fluff us up that we 
change their path or whatever, but we did it our way. No, you changed their path. I mean, it's, okay. Okay. Yeah, you, no, can, you guys really uh, helped change and evolve our industry. It, it's yeah. a, it's a big deal what you did. So yeah, it's, it's pretty different. Awesome. And some of them are just blatantly like full on the yellow commenting bar and every, it's just like a full <laughs> cut and paste. Right. And we kind of yeah. chuckle at those and think that's a little, a little silly. Some people are more trying to, uh, shape it in their own way. So, so we'll see. Yeah. I mean, cars and bids is, I mean, Doug has a little business out of that and his business partners and whatever it's different, right? The, the focuses people, people have tried to investigate what it's like to have it, uh, be in a certain sector or for a certain set of years or only in Australia or, only, you know, they have all these different flavors. Uh, what I like about BAT is, and this is true of it since the beginning is it's just like, everything and schizophrenic and all over the place right like that. if you bring us an uh you know 90s era chevy pickup if it if it's a good one we're like yeah we're in and if it's like a 60s you know motorcycle and it's awesome we're like yeah we're in so i mean the rule to get on bat ideally is that it's good stuff it's not like oh it's only what yeah. bo likes or it's only what david likes or whatever right so um so I know anyway. that's pretty broad with the, this this room here we probably could because we probably like almost everything on bring a trailer to be honest yeah yeah, well, I think David and I, though, I don't know how much money we'd actually be pulling in, though. Really? <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. true. We 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 do like them cheap, but it, it seems Sorry. like it seems like your being a car enthusiast was key in the beginning. You know, when you're choosing, you know, the three or four cars to write up in the beginning when you're getting hundreds. Obviously, it's like an understanding of the marketplace, but it's not always it's not always obvious which ones to write about. And obviously, there is sort of an element of like, okay. Yeah, I should write about the ones that have value, but probably you. Pro I assume you also thought, well, which ones are people going to want to read about? Like, what's going to make a, the biggest splash? And you have to kind of be in tune with the car enthusiast community to do that, right? Yeah, you do, and you also. I have super broad tastes, right? Like, I I joke that my tastes are a million miles wide and like six inches deep, right? So I oh, you're just, an utopian. I yeah, there you go. I mean, uh, yeah, like a lot of guys uh, or the stuff that you guys write about, it's uh, that actually appealed to people because a lot of what we were doing in 2007, turning it on, was reactionary. I felt like a lot of the sites um online were going like rich guy right like they were going like only writing about ferraris and and lambos and fancy stuff and i can read that a little bit but eventually i'm i'm like i get as excited about a Datsun as i do about a lamborghini you know so i i was just like there there wasn't that much online i mean obviously jason jalopnik was was crazy and all over the map and interesting but from a from a transactional component, there was no market. Like you'd go to the big fancy auctions and they'd be full of expensive stuff and fancy folks. And they wouldn't talk to me because I was a young nobody. Right. And then you go to like eBay and it started to just be like a mess of stuff that you didn't trust. Right. And so anyway, we, we wanted uniform trust and uniform cool factor. And that was independent of the dollar value. So yeah, me, you say me being an enthusiast, it's almost more how we decided to flavor it but the 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 and curate it but the one other thing i'll say there is back then and you this will probably resonate with you guys so there were a lot of car people trying to do tech and so the tech was terrible and there was a lot of tech people trying to do car and they had no credibility and everything rung hollow and it was just stupid right and then i had the a fairly legitimate you know foothold in the car world and i've been doing it all my life and and loved it and and would uh, spend these hours online to find the cars. So anyhow, that, that combo, that yin and yang, nobody else did that. Like the, the, the car magazines were trying to do tech and it was miserable. And the, and the, um, tech companies, you know, were popping up and trying to write about cars and stuff. And it was just like, guys like us would be like, this is lame. I don't, I don't buy any of this. So that combo nobody had, and we lucked out because we had two of us in the, in the helm. So it wasn't just me. It was that combination. So when you when you say tech, what specifically are, are you referring to? Uh, I mean, there's our tech, BAT's tech and like the site and the fact that it worked. But no stuff was I mean, we started in 07. I mean, the iPhone, I think, was invented and released in 07 or something. Yeah, right. It was, and, the, and, uh, and then, you know, Instagram came on and obviously everybody fought to Facebook and blah, blah, oh, okay. blah, all, all this sort of platforms, stuff. And yeah. Platforms. But then also just the tech that like dealers were trying to get their arms around putting their in their inventory online and on eBay. And it, I mean, people were kind of flocking online, but it was haphazard and it was the wild west. And it was just generally for automotive transactions in my, there was no Carvana. There was none of this stuff yet. Right. It was just super 
super patched together and bad and it was just like weak and and so ours was too i mean we started with a little blog format that you guys would laugh your head out. i mean our initial logo was like scratched on a bar napkin you know but it was it was um it was just a t- this this transition time where buying cars online wasn't working all that well so that combo was important what what year was that when I saw that that the actual trailer at in Monterey? Do you remember about no. what year that would have been? Yeah, I mean, I so I'm in the Bay Area, Bo, and and yeah. I grew up going to Monterey, and so we had this idea, like, oh, we have this this uh, website, and we're trying to build a community. Like, let's go rent a patch of grass at Monterey, which is over in like the vendor area, right? <laughs> and I always loved well, going. To I Monterey. remember on the way to Quail, it was just on the side of the road. Oh, really? You saw one over there as well. Okay. Yeah. So we were, man, we were really patching it together. I love, I love that. Uh, um, you're, you're remembering that time. Cause that was a while ago. I think that was probably Oh eight, Oh nine. Wow. We, we wow. were like, we got a couple people watching the website, but not many. And I'm going to Monterey anyway. And I pay retail for all my tickets. So maybe if I say I'm from <laughs> some sort of media company, they will, uh, they will give us a couple tickets if we park a trailer on the lawn and talk about BAT. And they did. And so anyway, we uh, we were kind of we were pretty ragtag, man. I, I appreciate that you're not just laughing at what we were doing back then. But but it was the beginnings. Guerrilla marketing. That's what it took. That was yep. smart. Hey, look, I still remember all these years later because I was like, yep. what the heck is this? I just wasn't <laughs> smart enough to actually, you know, follow up with that. that, that there you that go. Time. There you go. So wow. the Atopians, I think if they were going to ask a question, would probably be asking, okay, what are some of the more unusual, weird, or fantastic cars that you've sold? Like, like what has any really struck you? Or like I said, what's, what's the weird stuff? Yeah, well, you guys, I mean, fired over a couple questions uh, for me just to get me some thought starters. One of them, I think, was the cheapest, the most expensive, the the weirdest. I mean, we've had, uh, I mean, we've had 80,000, what, 86,000 auctions go through the site now, right? So we've had a, a chance to get some... Uh, corner cases in there, right? There's the there's the center fifty thousand, and then you start talking about the thousands on the margins. <laughs> um, and uh, you're asking about the cheapest. I mean, BHC. A lot of people are like, "Oh, BHC has driven up prices. It's so expensive." Blah blah blah. There was a um, a some sort of Pontiac Sunfire or something crazy uh, '80s Pontiac that sold this week for thirty seven hundred bucks, right? So I mean, we're still mixing in and and keeping a crazy mix. But you ask about rarity. Um, there is. Uh, a good following for us. I don't know why, but people that are really into the, you know, the Etcetarini type stuff, the weird one-off coach builder stuff, you know, the Moretti's and the uh, Abarth oh, yeah. bodied weirdo, whatever stuff, you know, we got a seller in Greece that lists his collections like almost exclusively oh. on BAT and sells stuff with us. Um, and with those, you start to get, uh, and this, this isn't, it's a little rich guy stuff, but it's not like million dollar cars, right? These things end up going for 40 or 50 grand, right? But but they are super unusual and one-off and coach built. And and I was always shocked that BAT would have the like gravitas, the 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 chops to be the place these people pick for these weird one-off cars. Yeah. So uh, uh, Bruce Meyer listed his new GT40 and sold it. And that was a car he bought from your dealer. It had Galpin. Uh, it had Galpin stuff on it, I think, um, or referenced oh. in the in the paperwork. And it it oh, um, yeah, I've delivered anyway that to, uh, to Bruce, and yep. uh, he got over a million bucks for it, so yep. it did pretty well. Yeah, he kept it for a while, but but uh, those are I could have got him a million one, but oh you know, well, was, well. Uh, <laughs> I'm kidding, kidding, I'm joking, I'm joking. <laughs> so anyway, it's it's all good, but the but yeah, so anyway, we get we get stuff all over the map. But my my favorite stuff is. Um, sometimes more mainstream cars that have a story. So the story is actually what sets them apart. It may be the, you know, weirdo coach builder or whatever, you know, one-off stuff like that. My favorite stuff is even more run of the mill. Like I tell this story a fair amount, but they're, you know, one of our most favorite listings on the site was a 67 Volkswagen Beetle convertible that um, was listed, you know, red, black top. It's in SoCal. It's, it's kind of a nice, interesting example driver. Um, but the bidding story plays out and the guy that bought it had owned it like 40 years ago and he he wanted it back and he got word because be the the cool part about BET's reach is like word gets to the person you know what I mean now that it's big enough and so he went and bid and just super understated didn't say anything in the comments whatever he wins and then afterwards he's like oh by the way I own this car once 
Um, and when he went and picked it up, he didn't need them to give him the key because he still had the Volkswagen. Key oh, that's so cool. So that sort of stuff. I mean, you talk about like, right. I mean, how can you not just be stoked on that? That one, we do it like a contest at the end of the year, every year for the best BAT car. And that one won it that year because everybody's just like, that's the best story I've heard all year. That's unbelievable. So those sort of one off people think that's the Z here yeah yeah those those sort of ones one offs are are just what keeps it kind of intoxicating and fun to be a part of so that that sort of brings I just me gotta to notice my flight is boarding by the way so <laughs> i'm sorry my flight's boarding apparently it's I, all good torch hey, just seeing I'm your sorry, handsome face no oh, you guys are peaches. But look it was great to meet you and hear about bat um david make sure you make him tell embarrassing stories about weird stuff on bat and uh I think I, if the first thing sold, did, we, did you ask him that? Like what the first car sold in BAT was? I'm kind of curious about We that. talked yeah, a little bit, cars. but I'd, I'd like to know a little bit more about specifically right. what kind of car it was. Yeah. Anyway, you guys have fun. I'll talk to Thanks, you. Torch. Thanks, yeah. Jason. I'd like to ask you about like what, you know, you mentioned the stories behind cars there. Um, I was uh, recently at Pebble Beach and I sat in on some auctions and, I, you know, I noticed that, you know, with cars, especially it, what gives them value is very infrequently the mechanical elements. And, um, you know, you can have two cars that are mechanically the same, but vastly different in value um, because there's so much that goes into it. I'd love to hear from your perspective. What, what are the, I guess some, you know, if you bullet point, what are some of the elements that go into a car's value? And how oh, is it man. different? How is it different for a car than it is for really anything else? Yeah, it can be different for a car. You know, I mean, it can also I mean, that can be true of houses. Right. You see, like Zora Arcus Duntoff's house in Detroit is listed. Right. And like, I'm yeah, I'm not, that's true. I'm not shopping for houses in Detroit, but that house, I looked through every room of that house, trying to figure out where there was like, you know, Z06 wallpaper or whatever. That's, you that know? is rarer, so. though, right? Like, <laughs> like buying a house for its history is a little rarer. It's, but it's yeah. weird. But I yeah. And then friends who like buy houses based on the designer. So anyway, there it's not true. just automotive, but let's get into the automotive since since we're on it but the the things that i think um contribute yeah certainly there's i mean there's nostalgia there's there's just be- you know eye candy beauty um there is rarity there is stories you had when you were were younger and you either saw that car or wanted that car or the neighbor had that car and you always were jealous or what you know whatever there's yeah family connections you know was was grandpa an oldsmobile man right and then maybe you got some uh, you're attributing some value there um you know movie stardom I, I don't know i mean we can go down a huge list of what it is it's complex um, isn't it it's it well, a complex formula you, you know the old yeah. beauty rarity quality but to me the most value is story yeah, yeah. there is nothing that adds value to a car more than a story now a story might be that it won a race Right. And you could say, well, that's mechanical, but it's also the driver. Right. Uh, But, you know, the race car that won the race is worth considerably more than the exact same race car that just was at the race or did or even race second place or came in second <laughs> place. Right. Yep, yep. So that's a story. Right. Or yep. that story of the owner. Now, that to me, that beetle is always going to be worth more money because it's going to be the story of the guy that got his beetle back. And there's going to yep. be. You know, somebody's going to put that car in a museum one day and it's going to be the bring a trailer, uh, the guy that bought his car back. And, and otherwise, it would have just been a beetle sitting on the side of the road or in someone's yep. garage. But now it's museum worthy because it had a story on bring a trailer. So uh, just along those lines, uh, uh, do any other like cars come to mind that kind of had a, a cool or interesting uh, story or uh, yeah history. oh man we, we can go I don't know how much time you got but yeah we can well, what, go what comes to your mind like what, what pops so a super cool one recently um was or a couple years ago was actually a motorhome uh it's an unusual bluebird motorhome which was used back in the day at track at the tracks all around America to support McLaren racing so it had some badges Ooh. on the doors and mm-hmm. it had some uh you know posters inside but it had legit pictures back in the day of whatever um it had it had done and where it had been and it's sort of a fixture in paddocks and that sort of thing and then it kind of went and disappeared and it's it's pretty cool looking i mean it's like it's like very 70s looking and and has an awning that rolls out and and whatever 
And so that goes on BET. And first of all, there's racing nuts on BET, obviously. Right. And so a few people of are like, course. I remember this thing. And <laughs> and a few people are like, I worked for McLaren racing. I mean, you get all sorts of cool dialogue going on. And then uh, fast forward to the conclusion. And we listen on BET for seven days. It gets all frothed up and things happen. And then Zach Brown ends up buying it on BET. Zach oh, Brown, obviously, cool. he runs McLaren Racing present day. Yes. Um, and has ties to the company since way back. I forget if he said he was there that far back, but he loved the vehicle. He loved the nostalgia. He now has this. He's into vintage racing, too, and ra races some McLarens, actually, among other things. He races a whole bunch of stuff, uh, sort of a friend of, of BAT because he spends some time on the site. But he buys this thing. And I think I don't know who wrote the check, if it was him or it was McLaren Racing Limited. But now it's it's taken around. They're in um, uh, Europe racing, obviously, but they're also in Indy and different things in the U.S. And um and so it now is appearing again as part of their like paddock display, this vintage 70s oh, so cool. McLaren motorhome with their same logos on it. And he uh, I mean, he interviewed whatever Mario Andretti sitting next to it on like 70s lawn chairs next to the 70s uh, McLaren uh, RV. And it was at Velocity Invitational here a few weeks ago at Laguna Seca. And it, it just shows up a lot of places. And it always is just kind of. That's another cool, again, but you talk about the story on that vehicle. That thing has seen who knows how many drivers uh, through it or, or uh, special uh, motorsport personalities and that sort of thing. So just to have Senna, that time. Perhaps, be, right? do, do you remember what who it knows? sold for, by the way? Everyone wants to know the price. Oh, man. I'm going to look it up. Uh, you keep going. We'll go to the next question, but then I'll <laughs> dig that up. But I mean, again, this isn't like crazy. We're not talking about you have to go spend a million bucks to get a story or whatever, right? I mean, this thing, I think it was probably, I don't know. 50 or 60 grand it's in pretty good shape but it has you should see the like green shag carpet inside and stuff is all original um i'll see if i can pull it up while we're talking here and i'll get you the price wow okay yeah um oh there we go 70s era okay so that was pre-senna then but still that's that that is awesome so one thing about car values is like there are some cars that you look at them and you're like whoa that thing is beautiful but it's dirt cheap. Like I was just looking at a TR7 for sale in great shape. It was like a thousand bucks. An Opel GT, one of the most beautiful, I consider it just an absolutely stunning machine, but they're a dime a dozen. And, and even, even some cars like a first gen RX-7s are, I feel like they should be worth more. And even like the Mazda Cosmo, it's like that thing, that is an absolute legend. And um, like, what exactly is happening here? Like, what is happening to these cars where you're just like, you look at them, you're like, that could be a 240Z, but it's not, you know, it, what's the deal there? Um, oh, man. I mean, you that was a pretty esoteric list there, man. Well done. I mean, Mazda Cosmos, <laughs> to RX-7, well, all well, sorts of stuff. Yeah. Um, I mean... I think a lot of the special examples of those you are seeing crazy amounts for, right? Like first gen RX sevens, like I'll pull that up too. I mean, we've, we've listed a few cars where people almost roll their eyes. They're like, what the heck is one of those selling for? This may be the best one we've ever seen in 10 years. You know, you want to wait another 10 years or you want to want to pay a big price. So, so things when we're vetting it the way we do prices can skew um, a little bit higher because uh, sorry, prices can skew a little bit higher because the uh, examples that we have. But then right, yeah. the whole flood of other RX-7s, the base models or even the higher end models that are abused or track rats or, or whatever, um, even the OK drivers, they're not going to go bananas like the you know best of the best is. So yeah. people sometimes wonder like, wow, what? why is there so much separation on that car with low miles and documentation and original paint and all that stuff. It's like four X what a normal one is. That's crazy if you think about it. But yeah. you know what? I mean, there are collectors that are out there that they just kind of want the best one. They don't want to mess around and restore and, yeah. you know, have to have the laundry list of items. They're just like, I had that car back in the day or I wanted that car back in the day and I want the best one. So the and yeah. I think this is kind of the long vision, long game of a lot of collecting is the best examples are going to separate themselves from the pack and the pack is still cool and we'll still appreciate and it's still kind of nuts if you think about it that you know people pay 15 grand for a kind of pretty okay first gen rx7 i mean that's a lot of money right yeah but at whatever those were back in the day was certainly a whole bunch less than that but um but there's this separation and yeah. and i'm sure you guys have seen it 
Well, it's funny. I was talking to Bruce Meyer. Uh, we were talking about it. He had this great quote, you know, for those who are in the collector car world. He says, if you buy the best, you only cry once. Yeah. Like, <laughs> there's truth to that, you know. Yep. If you really have the best, yeah, it's yeah. going to hurt. But, you know, from then on, <laughs> you got the best. But, uh, uh, yeah, ouch. It, it can, you know, the best is uh, usually going for. It, and to your point, I think the premium on the best has skyrocketed uh, over the years as well. Mm-hmm. So going back, are there any other kind of weird cars or Jason was talking about like the, the first car? What was that first car that you sold? Do you remember it? Yeah, oh, yeah. I mean, we have a we have a uh, uh, a poster of it on the wall at BAT uh, headquarters in San Francisco it was the first day was three cars and it was a um, Cor- uh, Calypso Coral 70 Boss 302. Oh, beautiful! It, it, it but modified. Where was I? It was, oh man, it should have been there. Should have been. It sold for forty five grand. Is the scary part. Oh. Um, and the uh, then there was a Stepnose Alpha, my sixty four Alpha, oh. which was kind of a a BAT story car. We did a series of uh, stories of a trip of me going to uh, the Netherlands and finding the car and driving it in Europe and bringing it home. And it was my oh, event cool. car. And then I sold it. Uh, so a lot of these first nine cars were kind of tied to us. So that was a pretty car. Bluette was the color. It's kind of a, a notable, interesting Alfa Romeo. And then the third was an E30 M3 uh, BMW. A uh, super nice one, 60,000 original miles or something like that. White, black, like the quintessential. We wanted, obviously, we were stacking the deck, right? We wanted just yeah. like r- ringer cars. But you see the variety, right? American, Italian, yeah. German, um, 80s, 60s, 70s, um, just sort of variety to to uh, appeal to as many people as we could in the in the early rollout. And I still track those cars, those three cars. Oh, cool! You know, I don't, I don't know if you guys go back to your old, uh, your old cars that you wish never got away. Um, none of them are mine. I haven't gone and recollected them all these years later, but I know where they are. And man, I really, I look at them on the wall at the office all the time, and I'm like, man, those were the, those were the days. Those were the cars, you know. Actually, that is something like that's one of my things is if I can find a Galpin car that yeah. that is because they are needles and haystacks because even <laughs> even though we have sold a lot of cars, they're still very mm-hmm. rare. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, if I can find a good uh, Galpin Shelby or one of the early cars, I'm still looking for a a '50s. Uh, 40 or 50s era Ford. That's uh, that, that's something I haven't found yet. But uh, yeah, that, that, that's 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 my little uh, uh, game I like to play is can I find something that was sold originally at Galpin? Man, there's got to be some of those out there, right? Like a 40 Ford or a 47 Ford. Were you guys oh, in biz at that we time? Were, we were in 46 and yeah. uh, we had one of the original uh, convertibles like six they had all the dealers they gave them one convertible to sell so 46 mm. convertibles very rare to probably 200 250 car man if i could find that car that would be the ultimate um <laughs> i saw a thunderbird on one thing i and i i lost it that uh, that was from galpin but uh, uh the other thing we had is we had one of the hundred thunderbolts and it is one of the i yeah. think three missing thunderbolts so if, wow. if anyone finds that car a big reward coming your way and the other is the galpin custom which we built in 1952 and it was shown at the pan pacific auditorium at the same time the hirohata merc was introduced hmm. and that was galpin's very first custom and that one's lost so that's that's like the number one car i'm looking for but uh yeah so throwing it out there just just if you see a galpin car you might want to call me i will bid i don't no special favors but uh, I'm all over a Galpin car if you if you get something like that. So I love that man. Those Thunderbolts lived a hard life, though, man. I don't know. Oh, the yeah. Lions Wait. drag strip. I mean, that thing. Who oh. knows where that thing is? Uh, I got a, I got a '65 Shelby that came originally from Galpin. That was sort of the unofficial pace car, the Lions drag strip back in the. I love 60s. it. Oh yeah, that's 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 our like prize. It's it's a garage find '65 Shelby from Galpin uh, back love in our it. San Fernando days. Yeah, that that's love these it. are our treasure so hey man i uh real quick before you ask your question i finally yeah. found the uh the oh. zach brown deal and i was wrong it's not a bluebird it's a it's a ford interestingly but it's, cool. it's a 72 ford condor 2 motor coach wow and x mclaren racing engines it was in san pedro california and it actually it sold for uh 32.5 sold for reasonable. not that much money but it kind of looks history. like an old 
old Winnebago. You know, you've seen these things before. Oh, that okay. thing does that's look cool. That's a deal right there. Sick right there. That's yeah. a deal. It's cool. Very, very it's cool. well. Well, per Bruce's line, yeah, whoever bought it probably crying a few times. You know what I mean? But but yeah. having a good time doing it. True. Yeah. So cool. Um, I'm ashamed to say that I don't know what a Thunderbolt is. Oh we'll man, talk. 64 Fairlane drag car, factory drag car, man. Factory 427 in it. Unbelievable. They, they only oh, built a hundred of them. Yeah. And there's a lot of clones out there. We've had we've listed a ton of clones. I think we've only listed one real one or maybe two real ones on BAT, but they're floating but around. You can find them. There's, there's one right now. There's one listed currently Are on, you re- you're, on oh, BAT. Man. I should do my reading, shouldn't I? I should read up I, on I'm BAT. A, <laughs> I'm a daily BAT geek, I have to say. I confess. I, okay. I love your site and I bought uh, a lot of cars. Uh, okay. Now I'm typing Fairlane into BAT <laughs> anyway. But I got You know, I'm it. not surprised that it you know, founded by an engineer, you know, it's properly run. I'm not surprised. (laughs) Well, I'm not surprised it was started by a car guy uh, because that, that makes a lot of sense and, uh, and a smart car guy uh, besides. So of course. Um, I I have a, um, I have a very random question. Um, I I have, uh, there are certain cars. um, So we have this series on the Autopian called Holy Grails, where we ask readers to, email us their holy grail car and most of the time it's a very rare example of a car that is only really valuable to them like um no one it's 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 extremely rare but it's not worth a lot so in my case like my holy grail is a manual transmission first gen jeep grand cherokee zj 93 or 94 they only made you know very few of them but they're not worth anything. They're exactly the same as a Jeep Cherokee mechanically. Rarer, but still not worth anything. Is there a car that comes to your mind as like one that you really appreciate? It's it's very rare. Just a few, you know, not a whole lot of them are made, but like not everybody appreciates them and they're not worth a lot. Oh man, yeah, the curveball cars. I mean, I I drive weird stuff by the way. We didn't we didn't get well, into like that what? sort of stuff. Tell me, but- tell me. I mean, in my what I've been driving the last three weeks is my Renault R5 Turbo 2, right? I mean, oh. and I bought that car. I have a lot. I'm heavily nostalgia driven. So I remember being on my BMX bike and going to Ferrari of Los Gatos, which was this dealer in Los Gatos, uh-huh. California, and they imported and exported some sort of sketchy stuff and they went out uh-huh. of business and whatever. else. I don't know what else they were into, but they always had the stuff. First place I ever saw a Testarossa. First place I ever saw the back and i remember exactly where i was sitting and standing in the the back in a garage bay uh of a there you go of a wow. uh renault 5 um turbo and it was red and so um i was always a car i was like oh man i got me to get my hands on that it's actually a, a bond car it was in a james bond movie i think it was in live and let die or something as well huh. and it's just bananas, right? You know, mid mid engine, you know, it hatchback with a huge engine with a turbocharger on it in the back in the cabin. So anyway, that's a weirdo machine that most people don't want to go anywhere near and they have a tendency to burst into flames. So I uh, um, got to to be a had like a super Cinderella story of paperwork and imported into LA in 85 and it had California sunset plates on it and like all the stuff that you'd never see anymore and it was broken like they all are and it was in a garage in Reno um and so I was like man this is my moment I'm I'm I'm, I'm doing everything my dad told me never to do he said never buy a black car because you can't keep the paint looking good and never buy a French car so <laughs> he's pretty pragmatic he's a he's a smarter guy than I am a little more emotional than he is so I I was like yeah yeah, but you got to see this Reno. <laughs> so, anyway, so I'm I'm into some weird stuff like that. Um, and Holy Grail is that the Holy Grail? I don't know. I mean, I also uh, a lot of my formative years of cars were in building uh, radio controlled cars. That's kind of what I was doing before I got my driver's license. Was playing with RC cars yeah. in the, sort of the heyday of that in the 80s uh, and then the early 90s and. Uh, so I built like a, if you know what a Chenna with buggy is like, I, I want to have actually the one-to-one real full scale versions of the RC cars that, uh, Tamiya made back oh, in the day. Cool. So I had a, you know, the Rothman's Porsche 959 rally car, right. Nice. And one of those sold recently for millions of dollars. So that's probably, <laughs> that's probably not on the, you know, Nonnenberg family roadmap. But I don't know. BATs do a pretty good. BATs these days. doing pretty good, but yeah, I don't know. Those those cars, yeah, those also had a pretty hard life, you know. But man, those I I just logged so many hours with these, you know, tenth scale versions of a lot of cool cars, 
you know, they made a version of the Sauber Mercedes race car, you know, Le Mans race car. And they made they made just scale stuff back then was just really cool. And so that's where my, a lot of my dreams came from, you know, and some of those dreams have been fulfilled. A lot of those uh, a lot of those haven't. But uh, it's funny you say Holy Grail. Holy Grail is a funny term. We have a list of terms you're not allowed to say on BAT listings <laughs> because if you I told you how we designed it in reaction to the world we were in. Right. And every eBay listing said, you know, this Ford Falcon is the holy grail of Falcon. Oh, yeah, 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 and we yeah. were like, eventually we were like, shut up. Like, yeah. Yeah, no, it's not. You know, this thing's got rust in the quarters and it's got a C4 automatic and it's not the holy grail. So anyway, oh, so so I didn't many... know you banned terms. This oh, is good to know. Well, from yeah. our side, you can, you can say whatever you want in the comments, right? Almost. Yeah. I mean, we're keeping it clean and stuff. Uh, yeah. But but descriptions, and that was one of our things, like auction catalog descriptions, right? Like, oh, this is the best one in the world. And it's, you know, it's going to change your whole life. And we've never seen one this perfect. And it has no <laughs> rust. And all this flowery language. The, yeah. the, the funny part about BAT is it's kind of just the facts. It's like a police report on a car. And Good. it's uh, it's flavored very differently. But a lot of salesmen come to BAT and they're like, can't you hype it up and say it's the holy grail? And we're like, sorry, <laughs> dude, that's a hard and fast. We can't call it that. But I love that you have a segment and I'm happy to use it in vernacular. No puffery. Oh, we can't let you do that on BAT. We got to be the traffic cops on BAT. Yeah. But man, no, that's so good. Many, it makes sense. There's so I, many cars I, that qualify. As a buyer and a seller, uh, I appreciate that. Because, um, yep. you know, it's not a it's not a bunch of BS. You read what it is. Uh, then you can get excited on your own about it, right? Yeah. And in the comments, sometimes there there is some, you know, some other fruit can come from those comments, and I always enjoy uh, yeah. reading that as well. But uh, um, no, great job on making it real. Well, if there's no, the internet with no sort of policing just kind of goes off the rails. At the yeah. end of the day, it just kind of goes off the rails. And when you're trying to transact something, it then the, the salesmanship just gets gets uh so where credibility is a problem and and you got to have incredible marketplace so so anyway. are you ever a customer of your own site is there ever a car that hits there and you're like oh man i i've always wanted one of those at, at, uh, at, so i'm looking at one next to me and i got to tell you the story of it but i i as a rule don't bid on bring a trailer uh, right. another thing that drove me crazy and still does to this day is that the house at the tent auction bids against people and like doesn't tell people when they do. What? Yeah. No, no, no. That never no, listen, happens. Well, there is never fraud at an auction company. There, there, there's no ghost bidders there. Well, you what, use what, the what F you, word, and I love it. I love that you're using the <laughs> F word on that because I think that's that always was to me. I was like, wait, wait, what? Like, I felt like you know, as a guy sitting in the audience of a lot of auctions, like I'm in Vegas, like the house is just going to take you. They're just going to take you down and if you win somehow they're going to find you and and take and you some anyway. houses are worse than others so yeah, play it pretty straight i'll say absolutely and, there's and there's some, a great not so scale. much we won't name names but uh totally we, we know who the who you are <laughs> yeah so well we think right but but i get that reaction that you had all the time right which is like wait we all know this is going on sort of deal and i i always just felt rotten yeah i grew up in the car business so yeah we're, we're in Got a couple glitches going here. I think we're going to get through yeah. it. Yeah. Oh, Randy, okay. we I lost you there for a second. Uh, so I, we just missed what you just said. But yeah, I was growing up in the car business. So yeah, we knew what auctions were like, you know, before the big auctions, you know, just car auctions, because they play all those games at the dealer auctions and the wholesale auctions and all of that. So in the big auctions, they they still play those games, even though they're not supposed to and people don't necessarily make it public, right? Yeah, well, that always drove me a little bit crazy. I felt if I was bidding, I wanted to know who I was bidding against and, and have that be transparent. So um, so I, anyway, I don't bid on the site. I tried once in the very early days on a no reserve car uh, on an $8,000 BMW E30 station wagon because those were cool and rare. And I was like, oh, we started this auction four months ago. Maybe I can buy a car on it, you know? And mm -hmm. um, there's a very open dialogue and people jumped in and were like, wait, you can't do that. The house can't do that. And mm. I realized very quickly that the gravity of that decision, even if that was a cool BMW, the cost to the company and to potentially me and everything else of the integrity was worth way more than reputation than yeah. getting one car. I was like, I'll go find a, I'll go find a car elsewhere. Like I don't, I don't need to mess this up. So I, I was in the cons in the cons as I even still today and said, okay, well, that sounds right. That's smart. Um, 
I'm out, right? Like somebody else run with this and, and we're not going to do that. And that was whatever, seven years ago. Um, and I haven't bid on another car in that account or any other account since. Now, people, it kind of drives me crazy because there's so many good cars on BAT and I would right. love to have a car on BAT. Um, but yeah, you that's still like, okay, so whoever the winner is, it would be legit to call the winner if it said, hey, if you ever want to sell legit. this thing, let me know. Well, or and one, one I was going to tell you about is uh, some cars don't make reserve, as you know, on oh, BAT, right? right? Yeah. So there was a perfect 72 GMC 2500 Sierra Grande 4x4, which is like one of my favorite pickup truck designs. Like if you if you give a four year old a pencil and say, draw a pickup truck, that's what they draw. Right. <laughs> right. Yeah, and it's true. just it's just awesome. And uh, we listed one with a you know resto mod drivetrain and a nice lift and 35s and a nice two tone scheme. I'm looking at it right now. I can describe it to you really well. It's in my driveway <laughs> right now because. <laughs> It bid and it was 10 grand short of the reserve or whatever. And um, we always give the high bidder the shot. And I reached out to the seller and was like, hey, is, is this car still for sale? A couple of days afterwards, I saw it missed reserve. And, and um, he was a little spooked that the owner of BAT was reaching out to him. But he's like, if you are who you say you are and you want the car, it's all yours for the reserve. And I was like, I'll pay you the reserve. Let's go. So uh, so I ended up buying that car and it's a truck and it's an awesome uh, buy, but it didn't get in and interfere and mess around right. with the dynamics of the auction. So I, I thought that was a above board way to do it. And and obviously I'm telling you and all your listeners that, so I'm not trying to hide anything, but that's a cool truck and I'll, I'll eventually maybe sell it on BAT and, and circle it back around. But, but, uh, but yeah, we also, I mean, the Renault, we can pick them before they go to the website, but that, that whole dynamic on the site of us getting involved and messing with bidding is something that I want to stay a million miles away from. So we're, we're, uh, still holding true to that. Smart call. Oh, you, you, your taste is broad. I mean, that the truck, the Renault, like these are all over the place. Yeah. Oh, that's just the beginning, dude. That's the beginning. I don't have a very uh, prestigious collection, but I have some interesting stuff. That's for sure. All right. Well, uh, well, you know, I, I feel like we could absolutely talk until the end of time. I know I have a, a gazillion other questions to ask, like especially about like your engineering background, but we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna put a limit to this, um, <laughs> and we're gonna thank you very much for your time, Bo. Do you have any? Man, other if you're ever in Los Angeles, come over and say hello sometime. We'd love to show you some weird cars, you know, out here. And if you happen to be coming to the LA Auto Show, we got a cool display that's gonna be there too. So we'd love to yeah. see you again sometime. Fantastic! I'd love to come back to the podcast and talk with you guys and Jason. And yeah, the the I've never been to your museum there, but I'd love to do that and and shake your hand. I didn't even know you were a big BAT guy and and you neither David but it's it's always flattering whenever I, I meet another another BAT person so thank you for having me I appreciate the time well this you is really awesome. put together I think one of the best sites on the internet period doesn't matter what it is so uh thank you sir for doing uh, such a great service and for being a, a true utopian hopefully we can call you that uh, now because I believe you, you live the description for sure so no doubt thank you very much this is so much fun all right me too thanks guys